We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Omani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And this morning I'd like to study with you what God has to say about the growth of healthy Christians. The growth of healthy Christians. You know, this uh, morning I was... uh, out in the back parking lot, and I ran into one of the one of the little guys. His name is Noah. I don't know if you guys know Noah, but he's 12 years old. And I I remember when we used to meet at the park back in uh, uh, the day Mountain View Park. I remember when his mom was pregnant uh, with this little boy, and just to you know see him you know get born. He was such a good little boy. He was uh, real passive. I, he was so quiet that they had him in the nursery one time, and they forgot about him. And they, and they left him in there, and they're out there, you know, doing their praise and all. And they're like, where's Noah, you know? And he was in the classroom the whole time. And, you know, he grew up a real, real cool little guy. Uh, I remember one time, probably about four or five years ago, uh, he came up to me. He was after a service, and he's all, hey, Pastor Manny, can I use your phone? I'm all, I'm all sure, Noah, what's going on? He's all, my parents forgot me. And uh, I guess uh, mom and dad, they came in two cars. They thought, you know, each of them had him. And, and he calls them up, hey, can you come pick me up, you know? And, but, but just seeing him today, uh, the reason I'm saying this is just seeing him in that parking lot and just seeing the way he has grown. He's 12 years old now. He's about as tall as me. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing, you know, and, and what I want to encourage you guys to know today is just as we see, you know, our children grow and they grow up, I mean, you're God's child, and, and he wants you to grow. He wants you to continue to grow up, and, and, and you know, why is it that we stop growing? I, I, probably because of the fall, you know. I, I think that God wants us to be spiritual giants. But a lot of times we stop growing. I, I know I stopped growing, and then, well, I started growing this way. I, I stopped growing this way, and I'm like, man, I wish I could just kind of keep growing. Because I'll tell you what, and I've noticed this over the years, and just kind of, uh, have you ever gone up like on a, on a tall, you know, whatever mountain, or, you know, maybe you're up on the top floor of the hotel, and, and you look out, isn't the perspective different? It's, pers- it's, it's amazing when the, the scenery of what happens when you are able to rise above the, the normal perspectives. And I think the same is true for us as Christians. God wants us to grow. And so today what the Lord laid on my heart is to do a study regarding the growth of healthy Christians. And this is what I'm going to do, you guys. Okay, I'm going to challenge you today. I don't know how many of you here take notes. But uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you four questions. I'm going to give you ten answers all together. And then three final applications. And I'll tell you what, if you're here and you're taking notes, and if you can get all of these in some type of written form, email me, manny at calvarychapelonline.com. Just if you could do this, man, I will give you a prize, okay? (laughs) Four questions, ten answers and three final points of application, okay? 
First question is this, uh, what is growth? You know, what is growth? Um, number one, it's development. Development. Number two, it's change. Uh, for us, it's change for the better. And then number three, it's maturity. You know, and as Christians, you know, we can relate to all these things. God wants to develop us. He wants us to develop. He, he wants to work on us from the inside, right? And when that happens, when a person is transformed, then there will be change. You will see it on the outside. And that's what happens when people grow. Number one, development. Number two, change. And then number three is maturity. You see, this is what happens when an individual grows in Christ. There's a development from the inside. There's a change that's visible from the outside. Your wife will notice it. Your kids will notice it. Your husband will notice it, that you're different, that there's something changing in you. And that's what happens when people grow. And then you reach that point, not that you necessarily reach you know, the point of arrival on this side of time, but you can honestly say that there, there goes a mature Christian, somebody who loves the Lord and they love the people of the Lord. Somebody who we're going to see at the end is, is kind of like Jesus. That's what God wants to do in our life. You know, and, and a lot of times, I, and I, this is a good saying, you know, have you guys ever heard that saying, I'm not the man I want to be, but I'm not the man I used to be? And, and that's cool, that's kind of a comforting saying, but I have a feeling the problem with that sometimes is people compare themselves to their BC days. Well, I'm not the man I used to be before I got saved, you know? Before I got saved, I used to, you know, uh, commit adultery, fornication, get high, get drunk, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now I don't. Well, here's my challenge to you. Um, don't compare yourself to your BC days. Compare yourself to the way that you were last year. Is there any change? Is there any growth? I mean, and again, not to put type of pressure on you that's not expected. One thing I gotta tell you is God will love you no matter what. That love never changes. You are his child, that doesn't change. But as far as us growing, developing, changing for the better and maturing as Christians, let me tell you something. God is thoroughly interested in us being healthy, growing, Christians. And so, man, I want to encourage you guys today as we go through to take notes and, man, ask the Lord to give you the, the ability to connect the dots. I mean, that we would grow, and I think, man, our prayer life should be better, our knowledge of the Bible should be deeper, our marriage should be sweeter, our hearts should be stronger, our love should be greater, and on and on and on. We're going to learn uh, here in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Uh, first of all, we're going to see why we need to grow. Secondly, we're going to see how we grow. And then thirdly, we'll talk about what happens when we grow. Look at Ephesians 4, and I want to read the whole thing. It says in verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. There it is, grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In in verse 14, and we're going to kind of come back to all the different verses and points here, but in verse 14 we see uh, why we need to grow up. Again, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You see, we're children of God uh, positionally, but we have to grow up. And in one sense, I like to tell people this, never lose your childlike faith. I mean, just if your father says it, you can take it to the bank. Never lose your childlike faith. But we must not remain or revert to a childish faith. You know, we got to grow up. You know, don't be the kind of Christian who throws those two-year-old tantrums when he doesn't get his way. You know, the ones that are possessed. You know, the ones I'm talking about, right? The kind of Christian who doesn't learn to walk. God's ways or the kind of Christian who doesn't like to talk God's word. You know, we need to grow up and we need to be potty trained. We need to progress. Uh, we need to make sure that we're not those types of Christians who are afraid of everything. They're afraid of the dark. They're afraid of the kukui. They're afraid of the, you know, the boogeyman and all that kind of. No, we've we got the Lord on our side. we got nothing to be afraid of, right? We need to grow up. And, you know, you see our kids and you know, uh, sometimes they grow and then they're, they're, they call them tweens and then teens and then, you know, they rise. And our prayer is that they would grow up to their God-given responsibilities, that they would understand the concept of priorities we want. It's necessary for them to, to grow up. You know, you probably heard me say this a million times, and I, and I really, I, I do believe it, that this church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners, right? And so people come in, and they're hurt, they're wounded, they're dysfunctional, they're irrational, they've got drinking problems, drug problems, marriage problems, single problems, sex problems, problems with pride or purity or anger or anxiety. And we're here as a hospital to help them, to, to lift them up, man, that they would grow up. and. You know, you got to know that, that there is healing available to you today. That, you know, as we come to a place like this, uh, we don't just come in. It's not like a hotel where we come and kick back. It's more of a hospital where we come in and we bounce back. And we come back to Jesus Christ. To the God who made us, to the God who loves us. You know, one of the beautiful things about hospitals, it, it might be the most beautiful thing, is that babies are born in hospitals, you know? But the expectation is that those babies don't stay babies. Have you ever heard that saying, uh, like, you're a big baby? Um, that's not a compliment, just to let you know, okay? <laughs> the, 
because we, God expects us, God wants us to grow up. You know, we don't remain kids, because if we do, we might get kidnapped. Um, what we see here is uh, a couple of things. This is why he says in the text. Number one, there'll be an instability. And then number two, there'll be a vulnerability. You know, if we stay in that nation of stagnation, no growth, no progress, no change for the better, then we're going to go back and forth, up and down, all around, to and fro. And if you can visualize the person, they're in the boat, they're out in the sea, tossed around by the waves and winds, going nowhere, making no spiritual progress. If you can then take it a step further, and they're in the boat, and the winds and the waves are against them, and they end up going the absolute wrong way. That's what happens when you don't kick it in, when you don't man up, when you don't grow up as God's people. That's what he says right here in verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. That's the instability. And carried about. That word right there is driven by the winds, carried away. That's the vulnerability. With every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plots. I mean, most of the guys out there, they, you know, you'll see these, uh, they call themselves Christians, they're cunning, they're crafty, but they don't really care. And what God says is that you need to stay in that place where, where you belong and you need to grow up and make sure that you're not, you know, unstable or vulnerable. This is why it's so important to grow up. Because what happens is these weird doctrines delivered by these weird people can actually carry you away. I'm sure most of us here who've raised children will tell you uh, that our prayer is our children will not only get older, I mean, we do want them to get older, right? We don't want them to die, right? But we also want them to reach levels of maturity so that we can launch them out into the deep and dangerous world because until then they're gullible and until then they're very vulnerable. And that's what he's saying right here. He says, this is why I want you to grow up and so what have we learned so far? Number one, the first question, what is growth, its development, change for the better, maturity? Second question, why should we grow in stability and vulnerability? Here's the third question, how can we grow? How do we grow as Christians? Well, notice again here in verse 11, and he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If you go down to verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. So seriously, you know, I've been a Christian now since 1989. You know, how long have you been a Christian? You know, and then you look back over the years, you know, I don't know, I, I can't do the math right now, but, you know, 20-something years. Manny, is your, does your walk reflect that? Have you grown up? Well, how do I grow up, Lord? Well, number one, answer number one is by being planted in a church that is giving and living the word of God. That you're there, you're blastado, man. I mean, you're, you're planted in a church that is giving and living the word of God. 
where preachers are preaching. That's the apostles, and you know, that's these missionaries that go out. This is evangelists, where preachers are preacher, preaching and teachers are teaching the Word of God. Because the Word of God will build you up when you're here and you're receiving with an open heart, you know, and you're coming on that consistent basis. You're planted in the church, then you're going to grow. If you come every once in a while, you know, hey, I don't have anything else going on today. There's no sales in the mall and uh, no football on. And I, I guess I'll go ahead and go to church service. I tell you what, uh, God still loves you and you still might be a Christian, but you will not grow the way that God wants you to. You got to get planted in a church that is giving and living the word of God. Because as they speak the truth in love, as they speak the Bible in love, you're going to grow. You know, Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul said, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Right? To build you up. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it kind of says the same thing. As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know, as other thinking about this, when I read this verse the other day, uh, my wife and I were blessed to babysit. And uh, it was a little girl, I think she's around seven months old. And as the night wore on, she got hungry. I saw her desire, actually I heard her desire uh, for food, her cry. And she wanted the milk, you know, and so we warmed it up, we put it in the bottle, and she drank and she had a big old smile on her face, man, she was satisfied. And I, I noticed this about this beautiful little girl that she seems to be eating well, and she seems to be growing well as well, if you know what I mean. I won't use the word chunky. I will use the word healthy. <laughs> and that's exactly what Peter says. As a newborn baby desires that pure milk of the word, so you also let, cultivate that desire that you may grow thereby. We know that eventually the diet changes. The desire uh, shouldn't, however. You know, we move from milk of the word to the meat of the word, but it's still the word, and it's that hunger to eat God's word or to feed yourself on his faithfulness that never changes. You know, as a matter of fact, this is a quick side note. Later, you might want to read through Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, and there you'll find, uh, we sadly discovered that some Christians weren't growing. They were actually going backwards and the writer exhorts them to move on from milk to solid food, not just the simple things of the scripture, but the deep things of God. And then before you know it, you grow so much that you're not only a student, you become a teacher who knows both the interpretation and the application. That's what God wants for us. How can we grow? Number one, by being planted in a church is giving and living the word of God. And number two, by being planted in a church where workers are doing the work of God. And we're going to see that all these things, they kind of feed on each other. Look again at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see, 
As everyone does his or her particular work, then we as believers will be built up. We will actually grow up. As a matter of fact, here's the thing, you guys. The, the entire book of Ephesians is about bodybuilding. It's about building the church up, right? Making it stronger, growing congregationally, growing individually. And in order for the body to be able to do this and to be healthy enough, we need each other. You know, we're talking about pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles and all that kind of stuff, and that's cool. But let me tell you something. A church and the beautiful people of that church will never grow if that's the only one, you know, who's doing his part or her part. And, and not only that, you know, you might look at the pastor and you might think, well, he's, he's pretty important. But let me tell you something that everyone is. As a matter of fact, when you read 1 Corinthians 12, it seems to say that the ones that are visible are, aren't even as important as the ones who are invisible. He says when you look at a body and you see someone's face or whatever, his hands and stuff, you know, you might think, well, that's pretty important. But let me tell you something. I could live without my hand. I can't live without my heart. See? And, and so here we are as a church, and, you know, Part of the reason that I think the Lord laid this study on my heart is because, number one, I want to grow. I want to grow. But number two, you don't know how much we want you to grow. Man, we want you to be blessed. We want you to enjoy your life in Christ so much. Because I know, man, the way the enemy is. And if you don't grow then you're going to have that instability or that vulnerability. And who knows, before you know it, one day you might not be serving the Lord at all anymore. Our calling, our desire is that you go to heaven. Our desire for you is that you'd be blessed while you live this life, that God will use your life. How is it going to happen? Well, you've got to be planted in a church giving and living the word of God, but you also have to be planted in a church where workers are working the work of God, where every part does its share. You know, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, my part's not that much. You know, Calvary Chapel Almani or whatever, they can do without me. They can do fine without me, but the truth is, without you, we cannot do fine. Without you, something's missing. And you're messing us up, so come on, man. You know, get on board if you know what I mean. I mean... You can't, the different parts of your body, there's no way to describe how valuable they are. You know, when I was a, a one-year-old, I remember this. No, I'm just joking. I, <laughs> no, my son does, he's a genius, not me. But when I was one years old, my mom and dad were in the car. Uh, my mom was pregnant and she was driving. And my dad was holding me in his lap. Okay, this is way before car seats. I, I think it may have even been before seat belts. I'm not sure, but it was a long time ago, right? And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they started arguing. And uh, believe you me, no one won the argument because what happened was my mom hit a tree. As a result of that accident, my dad broke his leg. My brother uh, died in my mother's womb. And my mom almost died. I mean, she was that close to dying. You know, I thank God she survived, uh, but she ended up having a lot of medical issues, a lot of medical problems, major, major damage, especially to her pituitary gland. 
Now, the pituitary gland is one of those en endocrine glands. It's very small. Uh, it's the size of a, like a green pea. It weighs 0 0.014 of an ounce. And so it's just tiny within the body, right? But that particular gland, it does so much uh, for the rest of our body. I don't know if you realize it, but the hormones secreted from the pituitary gland, they help control the growth, blood pressure, sex organs, thyroid glands, metabolisms, pregnancy, childbirth, nursing, water salt concentration in the kidneys, temperature regulations, pain relief, I mean just on and on and on. And so, you know, when all it was said and done with my mom, I mean, she couldn't have kids anymore. I ended up being an only child. You could do the violin at that point. Um, <laughs> Some of you guys are, oh, you're so blessed. No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, she had a hard time mustering up the energy she needed to do the things that she was called to do as a wife and mom. Uh, she falls down a lot. Uh, she, uh, her bones are brittle. She bruises easily. I mean, her whole body suffered as a result of that little teeny tiny pituitary gland that wasn't there. And you guys got to know that, that that's how it is when, when you're not there. You know, when you're not plastado in the church, when you're not planted. You might think that your place is small and insignificant, but it's not. And what ends up happening is when every part does its share, then what ends up happening is the rest of the body benefits. And you're going to see, like Paul says right here, then we actually grow the way that we're supposed to. You know, there's a, a parallel passage if you want to go over to Psalm 92. Look what it says in, in verse 12. Psalm 92, verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow, there it is, like a cedar in Lebanon. Wow. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, ooh, there it is again, man, boom, shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing. You know, I love that passage right here. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I like palm trees, huh? You guys like palm trees? They're beautiful. Um, they're, they're sturdy. They're stable. They can grow up to 100 and feet, 150 feet high. And then there's those cedar trees that he mentions right here. They can grow up to 80 feet high. That's two telephone poles, 50 feet wide. I mean, they're just beautiful, the fine wood that we gather from cedar trees. And, and so what he's saying right here is when you see one of those healthy, tall, giant trees, let it be a stimulation and a motivation for you to, to know that if you're planted in the house of the Lord, that if you're, if you're righteous, you're in Christ, and you're right with the Lord, then you're going to grow just like them. You see, we need to be uh, obedient. We need to be righteous. And we need to be right where we belong. You know, maybe you're here today and you're struggling. You know, you're like, well, I don't know about this because I'm pretty messed up. You know, because for... Uh, the bottom line is the study on growth is, is for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're already six feet tall or six feet under. 
God is here today to say, if you would return to him, if you come to Christ today, then he will work in your life and he will make you healthy as a Christian. I love the passage over in the book of Hosea, if you would turn there. You guys didn't know there were Mexicans in the Bible, huh, Hosea? Hermano. Look at this. Uh, Hosea was written to the northern kingdom, uh, Israel, also known as Ephraim. And if you guys study their history, you'll notice that they never served the Lord. That they, uh, um, when they were united as a kingdom, they did. When they got divided as a kingdom, what ended up happening was uh, Jeroboam, he set up the calf, and they worshipped the calf their entire existence. Hosea writes a letter to warn them about this, to tell them about impending judgment, but then to call them back to the Lord. Look what he says here in verse 1. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for ye have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord and, and say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. I mean, in essence, what he's saying is Israel, and the Lord loves you. You know, some people think, well, they've messed up so bad that they can't come to the Lord, or they can't come back to Christ, or sometimes you get people who think they've committed the unpardonable sin, you know, because it's something that they did was so bad or so repetitive. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, I already tried it. It doesn't matter. We're here today. God's called you here today. God loves you today. This is a day where you can find a new beginning. This is the day of the Lord. This is the day of salvation. Today is the day. It doesn't matter what you've done. He tells them, just, just come back. Just come back and, and talk to me, you know, from your heart. You do your part, and then watch what God will do in verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. There it is. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow. Now it's interesting. He talks here really, first of all, about Israel and just how they, they grow as this tree and they provide shade, right? But then he talks about the individual and he says, and those who dwell under his shadow shall return and they shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. And, and I take that and I, and I think of Ephesians 4, and I think of what Paul is saying. He's saying that the, that the church would grow, um, not just uh, in numbers or not in, you know, width, but in depth. To where the pastors and preachers and teachers are giving and living the word of God, and to where the people are working the work of God. And then something supernatural happens. When the church grows like that, the people, grow like that and I, I just I just know that that's that's our heart for every single one of you here today 
man, you know, we love you because God loves you. And we love you because God put his love in our hearts. And we love you because the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Every single one of you could be a healthy Christian, growing in the Lord, if we do things God's way. You know, you just return to him. You come as you are. Jesus did all the hard work when he died on the cross. You just come to him. And you just tell him, Lord, I messed up. Lord, I've blown it. And he'll run to you. And he'll throw his arms around you. And he'll put a ring on your finger and a robe on your back and sandals on your feet. And he'll go and he'll kill the fatted calf and he'll have a, a feast, a party, a celebration. If even just one of you gave your life to Christ. See, that's the God that we serve. And it doesn't matter where you are today. You could be six feet tall or six feet under. I'm telling you the truth. God is here because he loves you so much to rescue you, to rescue you. You know, when that word of God, and it, and it falls on, on different types of hearts, Matthew 13 talks about it. You know, you've got, first of all, the hard heart. It doesn't really even go in. And then you've got the, the crowded heart where all these weeds and distractions are. And then you've got, you know, the shallow heart that doesn't really last a long time when hard times come. But when the word of God falls on good ground, it brings forth good fruit. You see, and you, we, we will grow. You know, God said to Ephraim and Hosea, if you remember the history of Israel, even though they had gone so far, he said, man, you come back and I'll heal you. Why? Because this is a hospital. So what have we learned so far? Question number one, what is growth? It's development. It's change for the better. It's maturity. Question number two, why should we grow? Because of the instability and the vulnerability when we don't. Question number three, how can we grow? By being planted in the church, giving and living the word of God, and be planted in a church where workers are doing the work of God. And then question number four, back in Ephesians 4, you know, what really happens you know, when we grow? And look what he says in Ephesians 4. In verse 11, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what happens when we grow? Number one, unity. Notice again, till we all come, verse 13, to the unity of the faith. I'll tell you what, where there's carnality, there will be division. Where there's that, that place of growth and healthy Christians, there will be unity. This is what we believe. It's the unity of the faith. Another thing that happens when we grow is intimacy. 
Notice again, he says there in verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now that word knowledge in the Greek language, it's epignosis, epignosis. And what it means is to really, truly know uh, through a relationship, to know intimately, to know personally by experience. You see, when you grow as a Christian, you don't just know about Jesus. Oh, you know Jesus. And that's what ends up happening is you, you know, find that unity, you find that intimacy with Christ. And then the final thing here is you find that maturity. And again, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, that's what happens when we're running on all cylinders. And the boys become men. The girls uh, become these lovely ladies of the Lord. And what ends up happening is we end up like Jesus. And that's what we want. I mean, the last thing in the world you want is to be, you know, like a Pharisee or to be like me or to be like him or her or them. You want to be like Jesus. You know, it says a perfect man right here, and that doesn't mean that we reach a place where we don't sin. The word perfect is more along the lines of uh, proper. You know, this is where you are in your life. You've been walking with the Lord for, you know, you know 15 years this is pretty much where, where you should be. I mean, they talk about the kids and their average rate of growth. They say from certain age to age, it's like two inches a year, and that's kind of right. You know, and, and, and what you're doing, you guys, don't, don't compare yourself to other people, whatever you do, because you're going to be in big trouble if you do. Just compare yourself to the Lord, right? And so it's almost like, look at verse uh, uh, 13, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I mean, you can almost picture him pulling out the tape measure there and say, okay, how tall are you, Jesus? Okay, you're seven feet. Okay, let me see how tall I am. And you're like, I'm only three feet. What's up with this, you know? And the Lord is saying that that's the measure. That's the stature. That's the maturity that I want you to be in. And I, I think an applicable passage is John chapter 3, verse 30. And I love this is what he says. He says uh, this about Jesus. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. See, and that's where we need to be. That's how we grow, man. It, it really is. And so, um, four questions, ten answers. How are you guys doing so far? So, some of you are already out. Huh? <laughs> that's all right. Um, just my prayer primarily is that you would be in, in right relationship with the Lord. Let me end with three points of application Three final applications before we go today. Number one, I, I want to encourage you to search your heart. Are you really saved? Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, examine yourself uh, to see if you're in the faith. Okay, so just because you come to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. You guys know that, right? Well, I was, I was raised in the church, and I was uh, circumcised, and I was baptized, and I was hypnotized, and I was canonized, and you got all this stuff, right? And I did all my, you know, First Holy Communion, and I went to confession, and I went to parochial school, and, and you stand before God one day, and let me tell you, based on the Bible, those are not the qualifications to get you into heaven. I mean, I did all that. I read my whole Bible, and I didn't know the Lord. 
I was lost in religion. I didn't know Jesus until one day I was 23 years old. And God got a hold of my heart. And I went forward and I prayed that prayer by faith and I trusted in Jesus and Jesus only. And the Bible says that by faith, how can you know you're saved? Number one, by faith. You know, where do you put your trust? If you were to die today and you stand before God, he asked you a question, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Would you say, because I'm a good person? Because if you did, then he would pull the lever and you would go down real quick. You might be a good person, and I'm sure you're much better than me, but you're not good enough to go to heaven on your own. Jesus died for your sins. I mean, the first thing I, I'd say before I could say anything is Jesus. I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. You know, there has to be a time in your life. It can't be, well, my parents baptized me and I got saved then because that's them choosing. That's not you choosing. You have to choose. There has to be a day when you chose to follow Jesus Christ, to trust him as your Lord and Savior. Number one, how can you know you're saved? It's got to be by faith. And number two, there has to be fruit. You know, a faith that doesn't change my behavior will never change my destiny. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, you will know them by their fruit. What kind of tree is that? Well, all you got to do is wait for it to bear fruit. If it says it's a lemon tree, you know, but it's bearing mangoes. I like mangoes, you know, but you got to examine your life. Are you still living in persistent, consistent, existent, insistent, resistant sin? And you don't even have like an inkling of crying out for God's help? Then you're in big trouble. My prayer is if that's you today. And I want you to know that salvation is a free gift. It's free. Jesus died. In one sense, when you come to this hospital, it begins with a blood test. It begins with a blood test. Do you have the blood of Jesus over your life? But then it goes on, and then there's x-rays, MRIs, sonograms, all that kind of stuff, right? CAT scans. Because the second thing is, after you get saved, here's a, another uh, application. Ask God to search your heart to, to show you what you're struggling with. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, it talks about that. He prays, Lord, search my heart and know me and try me and to see if, there's, if I have any anxieties or if I have any wickedness within me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. So you're never going to grow until you deal with those things. You know, you have to ask God to help you. Maybe you're here today and you didn't even have a father growing up. You didn't even have a dad. And that's an issue. That's a struggle. That's an anxiety. And let God show you that so that, you know, you can deal with that. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with, with sin. Here's the thing, you know, um, the Bible talks about this. Because when you identify the struggles, when you identify the anxieties, when you identify the sins or whatever the problems are, then you're going to be able to, you know, that's kind of like the first step in moving forward. For example, let's just say I struggle with food, which I do. I love food. It's my love language. Pray for me, right? 
And, uh, and so the Lord's been just convicting me. Hey, Manny, you got to fast once in a while. Hey, Manny, you know, you got to bring that into subjection. And so what the Lord showed me is uh, I got to memorize scriptures. Like uh, Jesus said, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. Or he said one time when they said, hey, you know, Lord, eat. And he said, you know what? My food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's my food and to finish the work. You know, all I'm saying is this. The Bible says in Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I want to grow. I want to be a healthy Christian. Well, number one, are you a Christian? Number two, what's, in, what's getting in the way? What are your anxieties? What are your struggles? What are your sins? Identify them and identify the parallel passage that will help you conquer that. For example, the other day, it was probably about three weeks ago, it was my, my truck was sputtering, it was sputtering, man. And so I, I thank God I made it home, but then I couldn't start it, you know? And so uh, I just thought for sure, you know, it's the fuel pump or the fuel filter. And I was talking to Angel and he was telling me, hey, my brother Sergio, he can fix it for you. And you know, I'm looking it up on YouTube. How do you change uh, fuel filters, right? You know, because when your car breaks down, you got to find out what the problem is, right? And so it turns out I was out of gas. That, that was my real problem. <laughs> And all I'm saying is this, you know, pray for me, number one. And number two <laughs> is you just have to find out what's getting in the way. You know, it might even be a person that's not a Christian. And you're a Christian and you shouldn't be dating them. I don't know. The Lord will show you, right? You have to identify that. And then the third thing is this. As your search, number one, for salvation. Number two, you know, for your struggles and anxieties. Number three you have to really examine your life. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you walking in the Holy Spirit? Are you baptized with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not be filled with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And it's a command, right? And you guys know how it was before you were Christians. Maybe you got drunk and it influenced your behavior and you did dumb things, Right? Now, as Christians, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and He influences your behavior. And you do wonderful things by the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's not enough to know what to do if you don't have the power to do it. And when you have all these things, and they line up, then you and I, we begin to grow. You know, we begin to change. Like my truck. Okay, you're out of gas. What do I need to do? Fill it up with gas, right? I have to admit, I will share this with you. At first I thought, well, maybe I'm out of gas. So I put like a gallon of gas in and it still didn't start. And I told my wife, see, I'm not out of gas, right? Trying to, you know how guys are. I'm right, you're wrong, right? She always comes back to win. And so, you know, I, I said, well, you know, probably about three weeks later, maybe I need more gas. Sure enough. I love my truck. Maybe you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, Jesus told the guys, he said, don't go anywhere. Tarry into Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. You know, maybe you're here today and, you know, you find yourself struggling. And you can always tell when you're walking in your own strength. You want to know how? You can tell when you're walking in your own strength. You fail. (laughs) You fall rather frequently. 
But when you surrender to the Holy Spirit and he fills you with his love and he empowers you, you're like a glove and then his hand comes into that glove and then he moves you. It is just so beautiful. That's what changed Peter's life. You know, before he denied the Lord, next thing you know, he's the most courageous man on planet earth. That's what changed James and John. If you remember before, they were called the sons of thunder. They wanted to call fire down from heaven upon the Samaritans. Before you know it, when the Lord got a hold of their life, they were the apostles of love. The Holy Spirit will change your life. And that's my prayer, you guys, that you would grow and, uh, and that God would do a, a great work as healthy Christians in this church. You know, I was talking earlier about Noah, seeing him and he's 12 years old. And like I told you, if you guys know Noah, Ed and Pat's little boy, he's about my size. He's about my size. He's only 12, right? And so uh, it reminded me of when I was 12. Because when I was 12, I was the same height as he is. <laughs> and I tell you what, I was the tallest guy on my baseball team. I was strong, I hit home runs, I thought it was bad, right? But this is what happened. I stopped growing. I stopped growing. Now physically, it's not as bad, right? Especially when I'm crawling underneath the house, I'm like, well, I can fit and stuff like that. <laughs> but spiritually, it is. And so I just pray with all my heart that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you guys would grow, it's exciting and you'd be healthy Christians, and that God would just do that work in us. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. I don't want to ever stop growing and changing for the better, developing. And I want to be a mature man of God. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-454. 3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.